Hey, hello and welcome to In Ryan Murphy We Trust, or In Mike Flanagan We Trust. Haha. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm Aurora. And I'm Kat, and today we are taking a little break from Ryan Murphy shows, and instead we will be discussing Mike Flanagan's latest Netflix show, Midnight Mass. And I am so excited to talk about this. This is making me realize, like, I don't know if, like, our last few episodes, maybe, I think we've gotten into kind of a rut because, like, we weren't, like, super enjoying what we were talking about or, like, yeah, or maybe it's, like, maybe we thought we were enjoying it, but then we met a new, a new person and we were, like, no, I've, this is actual enjoyment. Yeah. Because I love Mike Flanagan. I love everything he does, although I still haven't seen Dr. Sleep, but I need to watch it. But I love Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. Um, yeah, Rory, you actually are the one that got me into Mike Flanagan. You were telling me to watch The Haunting on Hill House when it came out. And I remember you guys were over around Halloween. And I was like, oh, I thought that show was just about a hat. Because there's that like, picture of a hat. <laughs> An evil hat. Yeah, I was like, I don't get what this is about. But then I watched it really soon after you said that. And I loved it. And I ended up like sobbing. And so when uh, Bly Manor came out, I watched that. I really, really liked it. And Dr. Sleep, I think, is absolutely excellent. I've actually seen it twice now. I really, really like that movie. I haven't seen a lot of his other movies, and a bunch of them are actually on Netflix. So I definitely want to check some of his, like, earlier stuff especially out. I think his first movie, Absentia, was good. Like, I've even seen that. Um... Did you see the Ouija Origin of Evil yeah, that was pretty – I was like, oh, this is, like, surprisingly good. Um, yeah, he did Oculus. He did um, Hush, which is good. Yeah, what was the other one he did? Uh, like, I was uh, watching a trailer for it. It was an earlier one, too. Uh, Before I Wake, that one's really good, too. That one seemed, like, very much, like, in his wheelhouse of, like, the themes yeah. that he likes to explore. Yeah. I was reading an article about him, and it was kind of a negative review of the show. People really like the show, by the way. It's gotten yeah. great reviews. But this one person, they didn't really like him as a horror director in general, which is like, okay, that's like to each their own. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But she was saying it's like too hopeful. Like he likes to combine humanity and hope with horror, which I actually really like. And if that's not your definition of what horror is, then more power to you. But I don't know. I find it great. I really like it. Yeah. And some of this stuff isn't as scary as some of the other stuff, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's nice, like, I guess I think Hill House maybe had too nice of an ending, but, like... That show is scary, though. Plenty of sad... Yeah, it's really scary, and, like, there's plenty of sad stuff, like, Yeah, I but, know. I mean, like, sad stuff isn't really what people, you know, for horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but she, like, too hopeful. It's like, oh, like, too much of a happy ending, I guess, but... I guess it's more just, like, optimistic, like, the views of human nature and things like that. But, like, the view of human nature in Midnight Mass, like, um, Pruitt, like, he's not a bad person, but, like, that's a pretty bleak view of, like, I don't know, Alzheimer's, <laughs> like, I don't know, <laughs> where he just literally, like, he's a good person who gets, like, bamboozled because he's just, like, feeble and weak, and but that's pretty bleak. She was making points that I was like, okay, that's just your opinion. And I, it, it all made sense, what she yeah. was saying. I just was like, yeah. this is just not for you. Yeah. She's like, I want to feel bad. No, she literally <laughs> was saying that. She was like, that's what horror is supposed to be. And I was just like, okay. What? Con- 
No. I was like, okay, calm down. She also, she thought it was, like, way too religious. Oh, yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk about it. Yeah, so I think that was her main gripe. It made her rant into this whole other thing. But then there's a lot of great reviews and people that really, really like it. But yeah, with his stuff, I always, I always end up crying. I cried during Bly Manor. And Bly Manor, I feel like, wasn't as scary as, like, Hill House. Like, the stuff with the bent neck lady was Mm -hmm. really scary to me. And it was just, like, following the uh, youngest daughter around. And, like, that whole thing was so crazy. And then, like, the reveal at the end of who the bent neck lady was was tragic and horrifying. So, yeah, there's a lot of that in his shows. But, like, I feel like he's more than a horror director, though. I feel like he can Mm -hmm. go into stuff that isn't all just, like, straight-up horror, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, family drama plot. Um, I I actually think that what didn't work about or uh, Hill House and Bly Manor was I love Victoria Padretti, but she, her being like this like sweet, innocent character doesn't seem like something about it doesn't seem right to me. And I really like her in the show You because she's like a little, she's like kind of evil because there's something in her. She's got like a little, I don't know, just the way she is like her just being like, I'm a sweet, innocent. I'm like, okay, but like what's underneath, you know? She's super polite and nice, but, like, yeah. there's some darkness behind it. And I yeah. feel like you get that in both shows. I mean, I, I really liked her. Plus, she's, like, a really good screamer, and she does the terrified face really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, Really She well. just I, – I like her when she's scary, when she's just, like, a little bit – allowed to be the scary one. Because she can be scary. She can be scary. Is she scary <laughs> in you? I mean, a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that, like, when she – and she does to do a little bit. Like, I really liked in Hill House when she's the ghost. Yeah. And she's fucking terrifying. Like, she can be – That's what I'm saying. She a, does those faces. She, yeah, she's a good – yeah, but that – I like when she's being scary. Like, that's why, like, I kind of didn't like the end as much where everyone's, like, hugging it out. I'm like, no, let's go back to, like, her scaring the shit out of everyone. Yeah. No, I, I liked the ending of Hill House, but I understand your complaint about it. Yeah. One observation I made was – don't show up for a Mike Flanagan audition if you cannot deliver a monologue. Oh, yeah. My my parents said, Come to play, they, man. They like it, but they were like, too many monologues. Like, yeah, yeah, that was a criticism just on the Wikipedia review thing. There was like a quote of someone saying, like, yeah, there was like a little bit too much dialogue. It gets bogged down sometimes. So yeah. get bogged down with that. I don't mind it. I find his show's very relaxing in a way (laughs) yeah they're always like a little bit of a slow burn especially this one but yeah i find it i find them relaxing which is very weird yeah and like something about like i honestly didn't even notice the monologue thing until other people pointed out and they said oh people don't talk like that and like but But people should talk like that well but sometimes they do like if i i'm bad at telling stories but i would like i monologue Because, like, I have to get out all my thoughts at once or I'll, like, forget. But also, what I think is more unrealistic is when it's a show where it's, like, the weird back-and-forth banter that sounds super unnatural. Are you talking about Sorkin? Yeah. Well, or, or, like, Gilmore Girls. That bothers me way more. Gilmore Girls is um, very uh, Sorkin-esque. Yeah, that I find really a lot more off-putting than someone just being like, let me explain my motivations in a com- in a tight three-minute monologue. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> like, not even that. They're having these long discussions. Yeah. It, it makes it very um, 
poetic in a way, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it, it isn't really the way people talk, but that's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah. It was a lot though, but I think that's one of the things I find relaxing on these shows is listening to these people talk about yeah. what they think happens after you die or, you know, yeah. uh, like this is my story about like going to the Holy Land or whatever. I think the part with, um, with, the like with Riley and Aaron feels a lot more natural because they like know each other so well that it's almost like they're talking to like themselves where they're just kind of thinking out loud like when they're talking it's a little bit weirder when it's between characters who don't really know each other but like they're just like so comfortable with each other that they're just kind of like talking out like their thoughts and they were having like a really deep conversation yeah (laughs) they were high as fuck they did seem a little high (laughs) (laughs) it also works really well for this show because we have the literal priest so he's supposed to monologue every week at least when he's doing the homily and they're great monologues wait do you not call them sermons you don't call them monologues in the church? Oh, you mean homilies. Yeah, no, you call them yeah, homilies. So, but what's a sermon? I don't know. We call it a sermon. Well, like, I parts. think it, it is a, it's like <laughs> a homily is a sermon, but a sermon is not always a homily kind of thing. Okay. Interesting. Catholics okay. need specific different words yeah, for everything. gotcha. All right. So l- let's get into the summaries. <laughs> Okay, so Midnight Mass, it's a mini series, seven episodes. Um, it stars uh, Zach Guilford as Riley Flynn, Kate Siegel as Aaron Green, um, Samantha Sl- Sloyan as Bev Keen, Raul Coley. Raul Coley, yeah. As Sheriff Hassan, Anna Beth Gish as Dr. Sarah Gunning. Oh, what's his name? Hamish Linklater. Is he related to. I know. I didn't realize his name. I um, was like looking it up. He's also like in a long-term relationship with Lily Rob. How does that make you feel about him? Because you're not a big Lily Rob fan. Um, I, I like him because they're like the same age. So it's like they seem like a cute couple. Um, um, okay. So Hamish Linklater as Father Paul. Henry Thomas as Ed Flynn, Riley's father. Um, let's see. Michael Truco as the mayor. Uh, Michael Truco of Battlestar Galactica. Did not realize that until I looked him up. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Alex Esso, who was in uh, Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. As, um, she's also in Doctor Sleep. Yeah, she's... Um, she's Mildred uh, Gunning. So that's uh, Sarah Gunning's uh, mom. And then there's some other people. That's pretty much it. Oh, who's Joe Colley? Uh, Robert Longstreet. And today we're going to go just through the first four episodes. Yeah. And then at the end, we're going to talk about, um, go through a couple of questions. And then I have some background info on the real life inspiration for the fictional Crockett Island where Midnight Mass takes place. Um, So each episode is named after a, a book of the Bible, correct? Yeah. The first episode, Genesis, um, we see Crockett Island. It's an isolated town accessible only by ferry. Um, and all the island's inhabitants make their money from fishing. Um, there was a devastating oil spill several, several years ago, and there was like a big payout, and it kind of threatened their way of life. We meet Riley Flynn, a young man returning to Crockett after serving time for a vehicular homicide. His family, mother, father, teen brother live on the island, um, and on the island is his high school sweetheart, Erin, who has also returned to Crockett, uh, and she's pregnant, and she's teaching at the local school. So in the first episode, it's not too much happens, but um, 
Riley's teen brother Warren and his friends go to the the upwards part of the like a remote part of the island that you have to go by boat to get to, and they see like strict or Warren sees some strange glowing eyes. Uh, and they think it's just, like, cats running around. Yeah, because that part of the island is just overrun with cats. They don't really know how they got there. That was kind of interesting. Oh, we'll get we'll get to it. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, in the real Tangier. Um, the next day, dozens of dead cats wash up on the beach. Mike Flanagan, I love you, but you gotta stop killing cats in your things, okay? I was because- less affected by that than the other animal death. Okay, yes, just stop. I I really just don't like the trope of animals dying as, like, a way to, like, it to be foreboding. Can we just... How about if it was fish? Would you be okay if it was fish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just hate when people are, like, if I saw a bunch of dead cats, I would be, like, so upset. Like, and everyone's just like, oh, dead cats. It's like, um, they're like pets. Like, I don't know. I mean, one, the cats kind of looked a little fake. Yeah. And you you weren't, like, attached to the cats because it was just, like, a ton of cats. And we didn't I'm see them die. To every, so. I'm attached to every cat I see. Honestly, they did look a little fake. That is a nitpick. Uh, I no, have. I know. I, I actually liked that because it made me less sad. It made you, yeah, so it worked for you. When does he kill another, when does he kill a cat? The kittens in Hill House. It's, like, a huge plot. And oh I was like, God, that fucked yeah. me up. I hate that. That was really sad. It was also very uh, disturbing. I'm traumatized, and it's like a, it happened to a fictional child. No, no, no. That was a really tough moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it should have been like a baby bird or something. Like, let's make it like a little less like... But then it's like we don't care as much. You can still care. Or like a baby rabbit. How about that? I don't know. I just hate how we treat cats as expendable. When is <laughs> when when a dog dies, it's a huge like everyone is in a tizzy. Everyone goes John Wick on it. No, I think people yeah. get upset set when cats die. I mean, in the Hill House thing, that was a yeah, lie. Yeah. Um. Also, there's a new Nicolas Cage movie where it's like John Wick, but someone steals his truffle pig, and I gotta watch that. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. All I know is it's called Pig. Okay, back to this. <laughs> Um, okay, so episode two, Psalms. That just reminded me of the John Mulaney thing where he's talking oh. about, like, they're not quite songs, they're psalms. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, so we don't, okay, we don't meet, um, we don't meet Father Paul till the second episode, right? Or No, he shows up, like, they all go to mass and he shows up and explains that Monsignor Pruitt, who had been the main priest on the island for like years and years and years and years, he's an elderly guy, he is recovering on the mainland because he got sick during his visit to the Holy Land that he was just on. So Father Paul was explaining, like, I'm just filling in for him. This is temporary. He's recovering, blah, blah, blah. So Father Paul is the new hot young priest. He meets Lisa, a teenage girl who is wheelchair-bound after being shot accidentally by local drunk Joe Colley. Um, And then there's a church – oh, church lady Bev, who's just like a nasty woman. She um, puts poison around the church perimeter to ward off – I get – she says it's about the cats, but, like, my thought would be if all the cats are dead, like, we're going to be overrun by rats, like, shortly. So it would would make sense to put – poison out well that's fine her putting for that. poison out but then yeah. it was like okay what is she actually doing yeah, yeah, with yeah. The poison? so yeah she has this like poison that she's like flashing around <laughs> um and then during the um 
there's like on Ash Wednesday they have a, a and I love it that it's called Croc Potluck because it's Crockett Island and it's a potluck and Croc Crock Pot anyway. Yeah, it's really cute. It's kind of like the like, nickname that everyone has for the island is Crock Pot. Um, yeah, so they have a big, like, town festival, um, on Ash Wednesday, and Joe Colley, he has this dog that he is really into. <laughs> He's really sweet. I like this dog. And, uh, um, so it's, like, this, like, big pit bull-looking dog. And at first I thought the dog did something to Lisa, because she, it looked like she was eyeing the dog. But I was like, wait, they wouldn't let the dog live if he, like, maimed this girl. <laughs> like, that wouldn't be a yeah. thing. Um, so, uh, during the potluck, Joe's dog, like, just kind of keels over and it's foaming at the mouth. We see him eat a hot dog and then he immediately... Yeah. That was really graphic. That was yeah. really hard to watch. And, um... He's Joe's devastated. freaking Collie out. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. I think he blames Bev pretty quickly because Bev does not like him. Yeah, she's just a bitch and she hates Joe. She just hates pretty much everyone. Oh, she definitely hates everyone. So the next Sunday after Ash Wednesday, Father Paul demands that Lisa, the teenage girl, stand to receive her communion. And everyone's like, dude, what are you doing? She's in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yeah, he keeps like backing away with the host and being like, come, come and get it. They're all like, this is so mean. Why are you doing this weird prank? Yeah. Um, And... She is able to stand so she can walk again, and it's a miracle. Yay. Um, end of episode. So, okay, episode three, Proverbs. Um, Lisa's miracle starts a religious revival on Crockett Island, and the church gets more and more packed each Sunday. Um, we see Father Paul in a meeting with Bev and the mayor and some other guy whose name I don't know. Bev's kind of right-hand guy? Yeah. Yeah, his name's Sturge. Um, and... So they're just Jay chilling, and all of a sudden, Father Paul's, I think he, like, drinks some, he must drink something, and he starts foaming at the mouth like the dog, and he fully, like, dies in front of them, like, and he obviously, it's, like, the exact same way the dog died, so you're like, okay. And then he kind of jolts back to life, uh, and everyone's really weirded out, except for Bev. She's into it. Yeah. She's like, cool, cool. Um, and then I'm skipping over some stuff, but, um, you, so then, uh, Paul, Father Paul goes to confessional where we like, we see what happened to Pruitt. So he was in the Holy Land on the world's worst tour group when he got lost in a sandstorm. Like he's in like the throes of dementia. The guy. Yeah. But like he's with a group. He needs like a caregiver with him. No, I know. But it's just funny because he literally gets lost like in a desert. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, (laughs) oh yeah. How he gets to the desert. It's like a city. Like you can't. (laughs) Well, so actually like when I went to Egypt, like the pyramids are actually and all that stuff's really close to Cairo. So like, it's possible, but, like, you would see the city because it's so close. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you would, would be... have to go on, a like, an actual road yeah. and, like, how to, I don't know. But he's, like, maybe he wandered around for, like, a really long time. So, yeah. So he gets lost in a sandstorm. He takes refuge in a temple that was, like, unearthed by the sandstorm, which is also, like, I would not go in there. That would I be... thought that that was cool, though. Yeah. Because it's, like, this ancient thing. Yeah. Uh... And so it's, like, a temple, and there's a creature inside who, like, attacks him, sucks his blood, and the creature's gonna kill him, but then Pruitt is, like, calls him an angel, and the the creature is like, wait a minute, I got an idea. 
And he gives Pruitt some of his blood to drink, which plot hole would be if the if the creature hadn't had any blood in like millennia, he would definitely have killed him in like two seconds, right? Well, if we're going from like true blood rules, if a vampire got locked up for like a really long time, it would survive, but it wouldn't be able to control himself. But this is not a typical vampire. True, 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 true. So, okay, so um, the va- the creature who looks like a leathery-winged gargoyle demon. He looks like a straight-up demon, yeah. Um, but, but Pruitt says that, like, in the Bible, angels were scary, and we're, we're gonna go into it more in the next episode, because I want to do research, and I want Kat to do research, because she's Catholic, and she can, because, like, I, like, there are crazy descriptions of angels, and that's always fascinating to me, like, the idea that the Bible talks about these, like, superhuman creatures, like, and, like, what are they? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, um... And I just always found that really interesting, like, that there's all different types of angels and, like, and then I'm like, wait a minute, are vampires, do they come from angels? Are they, like, half- Are they, are they fallen angels? I was thinking that. Oh, because he has wings. That's probably, that's where he gets the idea. Yeah, well, yeah. And, like, he was talking about how, like, in the Bible, everyone's always terrified when they see an angel and the angels always have to reassure them. Like, say, like, be not afraid. I'm here for good news. So it's like, okay, yeah, it would make sense because if it's just, like, a human with wings that's glowing and pretty, that would be as scary. Also, when he looks up at the angel, and I don't know if that's before or after he gets the angel's blood. Yeah. He sees, like, an aura, like, a glow around the angel's head, and he thinks it's a halo. But it could be because he's dying. (laughs) If it was after he drank the angel's blood, it's like on True Blood when everything's kind of like you're high on V, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so Pruitt drinks from the angel and then he kind of passes out. And when he wakes up the next morning, he's young again, he, in his forties, thirties. And so we find out that Pruitt is Father Paul and what? somehow no, no one on the, ta- no one on the island has recognized him, even though everyone's been on that island for a million years. So they would absolutely recognize him. It makes him. sense though, because he's like so old. So like we meet the character Mildred who knew him in her like youth and stuff, but she's also suffering from dementia. So like most of the people that would know yeah. what he looked like back then are either dead or like kind of too old. But it's weird that no one is like, he seems familiar. Or like, yeah, or, or kinda... his voice. His voice, I feel. I, so like when people are wearing masks now, I like recognize people that I've met a couple times. I recognize like their voice more, more than their face. So, especially if you listen to them preaching and. Bev does address that later. She's like, how did I not figure this out? Um, episode four, um, Lamentation. Um, so Riley has mandated AA meetings, so he started to go to Father Paul for AA at Father Paul's suggestion. Aaron, uh, is the one who's pregnant, goes to, um, oh, and so this whole time Aaron and, uh, Riley have been, like, reconnecting, um, they're, like, high school sweethearts, so they've been, like, hanging out, um, because they're both, like, we're both on this shitty island together. So Aaron goes to Dr. Sarah, um... For a routine checkup and learns that she's mysteriously miscarried, um, but, like, she doesn't remember anything happening. Uh, Father Paul begins to show signs that he has become a vampire, such as aversion to light and a taste for blood. So he was able to go out in the daylight. He was totally normal before, but after being poisoned, 
I, so that was confusing to me. I don't. Why do you think he was he was poisoned? he was poisoned by Bev? When did Bev poison him? I don't know, but she, that's why they kept showing the because she they showed her grabbing it again, and it, he was poisoned with the with the like. But um, why would she poison. know that would work? She didn't. But I think she. I mean, because she it, they showed her looking at the picture of him, and I think she figured it out. That's like a crazy jump. To- yeah, but, I mean, Bev's crazy. I don't know that. She I definitely, thought I, I mean, thought it had to do with like he's continually getting blood from from the vampire to drink. So I, I uh-huh. felt like at a certain point, like not getting the blood will kill you. You know? Um. Yeah. No, I think he was poisoned because he foams at the mouth just like the dog. That that is, is true. Bev is weirdly calm when and like the other people in the room are freaking out when he dies and comes back to life, and she's like not. Okay, I want to rewatch that scene because uh, also Bev, after seeing the miracle with Lisa and stuff, she has her own kind of theories she's coming up with. And so I think a big part of it is like, this guy needs to be like resurrected. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, that does make sense. But I, yeah, I want to rewatch it. She's, yeah, she's crazy. And if you see, she's like not like freaked out. And then she's, she literally like says something to him like after when he's recovering. She's like, she's, she basically alludes to whatever is like that he's you know she knows who he is okay that makes a lot more sense because i actually was confused i feel like i had missed something and i think i did because she seemed to know that he was pruitt yeah and she seemed to really know what was going on and i was like did they have a conversation that i missed or something but yeah if she's like no i kind of just figure out it was just it was just her looking at the picture and no but i I mean like her poisoning him and and doing that whole thing she she came to that conclusion i i think it is a little risky for her to do that yeah she's batshit crazy she's a she's a character um yeah so so father paul is like he he gets burned by the sunlight he's not doing well um he's like just kind of laid up in bed um drunk joe collie like stops by for something yeah he's struggling uh because he starts going to the aa meetings after he gets a visit from uh lisa uh the girl that he crippled and she forgives him can i just say i thought the scene with lisa was i thought she was super mean she said the worst stuff to him and then she's yeah. like but I forgive you and I'm like wow no you don't like I get that he like paralyzed her but it was it was an accident like I don't know uh, yeah she she was really going in on him but she also gave him kind of like I forgive you and you need to like now forgive yourself and move on and you can better yourself now so she was kind of giving him permission to let go of what what happened which uh but yeah she she started that out with a really mean rant about how she she still hates him well knowing what I know now about the show I think that that's kind of deliberate. I think she's supposed to be she do, she's not being a good Christian. She doesn't forgive him cuz she lays into him and she says like I hate you and then she's like oh but I forgive you and forgive yourself. But like she's doing the thing of like pretending to be a a good Christian and it's fine that she has anger but you can't pretend to be above it all and then you can't and then like lay into someone she was being kind of a Bev in that where she's pretending to be all high and mighty and pious, and she, but she's also airing all the all the ill feelings she's harbored this whole time, which she's perfectly 
it's perfectly fine for her to feel that way, but then you can't also be like, I'm also coming here to forgive you. It's like, I think that's kind of intentional because it's showing the hypocrisy of the the faith on Crockett Island, where it's like... Uh, and the fact that, like, the only reason she can forgive him now is because she can walk. I think that, yeah. that that goes into that. And after saying all that, like, really harsh stuff, it's kind of like yeah. you don't hear anything after that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but Joe Colley is sobbing at the end of it, and after that, he decides to join Riley and Pruitt at the AA meetings. And so, like, later, a couple days later, whatever, he is struggling with his addiction, and he goes to see Pruitt. Yeah, and it's like, dude, read the room. He's got things going on. This well, he, he does. He, like, gets there, and then yeah. he's like, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll come back later. Yeah. Yeah, so he sees Father Paul drinking blood from the, um, the, like, the, not from the alien, or an alien angel, like, from the thing, the, um, like, flask or something, or decanter. And then they, like, hug, and they, <laughs> Paul hugs him for too long, because he's, like, sniffing his blood, and that, this, that was, that part was hilarious. And like, what is going on? Yeah. And then, um... He Joe's like, uh, what are you doing? Are you trying to make out with me? And then they kind of struggle, and um, Joe falls and hits his head and starts bleeding a lot, and he's, like, dying on the floor, and Father Paul, like, drinks his blood because he's a vampire. Um, Bev and the mayor and Sturge get there, and they help him hide the body. I'm, I want to know the conversation that went on between Bev and the mayor and Sturge. I felt like Wade and Sturge really didn't protest enough about covering up a brutal murder. Yeah. At first, Wade is a little bit reluctant. And then Bev goes on this whole spiel about, like, this is part of the miracles of what's happening here. And you can't just pick and choose, like, Lisa walking versus this. Yeah. I mean, she is bullying them, and very effectively. But it's still like, okay, this is a brutal murder. They, They give in way too quickly. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. So, like, there's some backstory there. Um, so, so Joe dies, um, and then I think so. Uh, Father Paul's talking to Riley, and he says something to um, Riley about, oh, like, oh, Joe isn't at the meeting because he went to see his sister on the mainland. But Riley learned that she recently died, so he knows that Father Paul's lying. So he goes back to the the church like rec room to ask Father Paul. And he interrupts, he interrupts Father Paul the Angel doing weird stuff. <laughs> like, he's like he's, what the he's, fuck? He's bleeding the angel. Yeah, um, the angel is like filling the decanter yeah. thing with his blood. And and the angel sees him and pounces on him and, and infurls him in his way. I like saying infurls. And Riley de- is dead from the angel. All right, questions. The first thing I just wanted to ask is uh, initial reactions. For me, I mean, I I was liking it a lot so far. I thought that there were some, like, great mysteries of, like, how is Lisa walking? Yeah. Oh, did you go into um, the part, I think it was um, after Aaron's checkup, she goes off island to get a second opinion about the miscarriage. And the doctor off island says, I did your blood work and... There's no indication that you were ever pregnant. So basically the baby just disappeared. I liked that as like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, episodes four and five are real downers. And then I think it starts to pay. I don't know how it ends, but it seems like it's starting to get a little bit better episode six. But you have two episodes left. I, I finished the show because I binge stuff way too much. So 
But yeah, so so you like the show so far and everything at this yeah, point? Yeah, I, lo- I love it. Um, I think it's real set. Like, there's a, like, the man, the thing with her baby really got me because it's, like, such a crazy, like, I don't know, something about, like, she like the miscarriage because she doesn't, the father isn't in the picture, so it's, like, just her. And this is, like, she has no family left, and it's, like, her only thing she's got going on. And I'm, like, this is really sad. Well, it's, it was really like, sad, the miscarriage, but then the doctor saying, like, you were never even pregnant. I mean, that's yeah. that makes it, like, so much worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, and it was just, like, I was, like, man, that I think that's a good way to, like, show how devastating a miscarriage must be when it's, like, a baby you haven't even met yet, but it's, like, all your hopes and dreams and... Yeah, yeah, definitely. kind of disappear. Um, but yeah, I like it. Um, I really like, uh, the setting a lot. Obviously, we'll talk about it later. Um, some of the characters, I'm kind of, like, Riley's kind of meh. I like Riley, and I feel like he definitely brings it home. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, like, I feel like he does a good job in the oh, yeah. next episode. No, it's not, it's not the actor. It's the, the character is supposed to be kind of like, it's not, you know. Yeah, the super, character's, It's yeah. not a razzle-dazzle. Yeah, yeah. But his relationship with Aaron, I do really like. I did want to mention, because you're bringing up Riley, in the accident, he had killed a teenage girl. And ever since then, he's haunted by this ghostly image of her. And it was very similar to a lot of ghost creature designs that uh, Mike Flanagan does. Like, when he was sitting on the curb after the accident, he sees her, and her face is all ripped up, and then there's the red and blue flashing lights from the ambulance. So the ghost he sees, there's, like, holes basically in her face. Through the holes, you're seeing the red and blue flashing light, and it's it's really scary and a, a oh, really cool was, design. I thought he, like, saw her face reflected on, like, the broken glass, so that was what it was. It Because it looks like pieces of glass, like, making it It seemed like face. it was, like, coming, like, it oh, was maybe not. through. Either, either way, it was, like, an interesting design. Like, yeah. working in the actual damage that was done and then combining it with the red and blue flashing and i think in life that's probably what haunts you is like things that you actually see yeah my next thing we talked about a little bit but pruitt's pov slash conclusion when he decides that this thing is an angel and i was saying that he was contextualizing his encounter with this vampire demon thing through the lens of his catholic faith Well, I just find it so sad if you take it the other way. Like, if you take it as it really happens, this man is at the end of his life. He's, you know, served God his whole life. He goes on this vacay, gets lost, ends up being... that congregation shouldn't have sent... That was really irresponsible because they sent him there without, like, a caregiver. No, he was on a group trip with other old priests. They just did a bad job watching. He wasn't alone. It seemed like just with regular priests. I mean, it seemed like no, he needed, like, was, a designated person to look after him. I think he was with, like, a, a group with, like, I mean, Bev is, like, so, like, every priest has, like, a Bev who's, like, so, I mean, he was with, like, a group who should have been Bev should have Bev should have gone with him. Like, I just feel like yeah. he needed, like, someone with him. Him talking about how he was wandering around scared and alone when he got lost, that's really terrifying, like, thinking about that. So... Like, if we take it as it wasn't an angel, then it's just this old guy at the end of his life goes on this trip, is terrified, and gets eaten by a demon in a temple. That's so sad and dark. So it's like, of course his brain is going to create some happy, like, 
It's like, otherwise, it's just a really sad ending to a sad... You're saying if he died? Like, if if he realized that it was a vampire. He was revived, though. He's like, I'm young again. This must no, be what's happening. No, but I don't think the creature would have revived him if the, he hadn't called him an angel. Because the creature realized that he could use him. The creature decided to yeah. turn him after he called it an angel. So if he had just been like, if he had just gone, ah, and then died, it would just be like old confused man dies in tomb from animal attack. Or like just, never found. Yeah. Yeah. And like that is just so sad. And it's like, oh, the fact that basically he's just has dementia and confused a demon for a angel is just a really sad idea. I don't like it. That whole entire sequence. When he's an old man in the desert was very sad. Yeah. You really felt for this guy being completely lost in a foreign land and like lost in his mind because he is like Alzheimer's. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I-, I thought it was just interesting that he contextualizes it through that lens. Yeah. Also, the show talks about, and I know Flanagan likes to talk about the themes of science versus faith. I read some article that was talking about like how Pruitt was basing this conclusion on more of like scientific observation and not faith. But then Mm. it made me think like, that's kind of interesting because then he goes like, yeah, faith, take the wheel. And even when things start going weird or wrong, or like, this is obviously kind of bad. He he doesn't snap out of that until the very well, okay, I don't want to spoil it. Well, because I think everyone who who lives their life like serving God wants to think that there's some type of like, reward for and i guess the reward is like in heaven but like in in reality it's like a confused man like being attacked alone and like possibly dying and it's like yeah sometimes like that's just what happens so it's like it's like people want to have faith when it's like something good like it's like you're being made young again but like it's hard to have faith when life is just you get old and then you die well and And that's they talk about that later uh they've definitely talked about it in the episodes you've seen but they get more into it just like he always feared death and that's why he even got in the priesthood in the first place oh yeah 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 but it's also, like, everyone wants to think that they're special and, like, yeah. that they're the exception. And, like, yeah. Yeah. the real test of faith is to accept that you're not special, that you're not the exception, that you will die. <laughs> uh, also, I forgot to mention that since he is a Catholic, I feel like he should have been a lot more wary of this creature. The situation he finds himself in seems a lot more like Jesus being tempted by the devil right, in the desert. right. right. Did Jesus know it was the devil, though? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I have a question, and I asked Argus this, and he didn't really give me a straight answer. Like, if you are, um, like, what, okay, they say that, like, the devil can, like, trick you. So, like, let's say, like, I had a vision, and they were like, I'm an angel. I want you to do this and this. Like, if the devil can straight up lie to you, isn't it kind of like people that are smarter like, are they, are they, do they have better faith? Cause like they're able to think critically. Like, are dumb people just more susceptible? Like, what if you are a good person, but you just get tricked? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, and you're saying that that's less about how pious you are and more about like your intelligence? 
Yes, and I think that's kind of messed up. Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the devil's not going to come out and say, I'm the devil. <laughs> like, There's not a straight answer to that, but I get what yeah. you're saying. This is na- this has been Christ talk with... Well, I mean, this show is, incre- is a lot about religion. Oh, and- I know. And it definitely makes... It actually makes me, like, really want to, like, study stuff about the Bible and, like, um, just, like, those... I Just some of the ideas in it. And I think... I think it walks a great line between talking about religion and not endorsing it nor condemning it it's a very fine line yeah and we we can kind of i don't know if we want to get into that more at the end in the next episode just because like there's a lot there yeah yeah also someone on reddit mentioned that the the angels are like are bathed in light and this creature showed an aversion to light like from the jump so he should have been suspicious it also looks scary af (laughs) One of my talking points was, did you like the master vampire angel creature design? Like, did you like I did. The and design? the actor is on, like, IMDb, and he's got a great oh, yeah, face. Um, yeah, it's really creepy. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, he looks really um Oh, and when he's... He, he wears, he he really wears um, Pruitt's, like, outfit and goes on... And I made my parents, like, I slowed down and, like, rewatched the scene where he's, Riley sees him walking on the beach, and it's creepy because he's, like, it's that uncanny where he's, like, too tall and thin, and you're, like, what oh, is wrong? that reminded it's me creepy. of the um, ghost in Hill House with the hat. Yeah. Yeah, so, which is very creepy. What's creepy is tall people. Wearing short people. pants. <laughs> yeah. Or just the way he was moving. It was, like... Well, he was, like, he could, running. Like, yeah. yeah, that's something we didn't mention. I think it was in the first episode. There's like this giant storm and Riley was looking out the window. He's like, oh my God, I think that's Father Pruitt on the beach. And he goes out to try to like look for him. So he's like chasing him and this thing's like running down the beach. But uh, then I think later Aaron sees like something out of her window too, like after the storm. I couldn't really see because I watched these on my iPad at the gym and I like couldn't, it was too dark. I couldn't see the thing in the mirror. Oh, I really liked the scene of her peeing and I know that it was like, I think she saw blood in her underwear, but I'm like, we never see people peeing on TV. Seeing women peeing? Like they've just tried to make more realism in TV, but like. I don't know. Yeah, I just and the way she did it was like super realistic too. It was just like God. What was I watching? That was it was a lot like that. It was just like this really just like mundane. I'm peeing on the toilet. Yeah, and it was like I thought that at the time. Like ah, you don't really see that a lot. Yeah, that's like when um when someone coughs, you know they're gonna have cancer. It's like when you see a woman peeing, you know she's about to have a miscarriage. Definitely, that was like oh my god, she's gonna find blood. Like yeah, did she did right? But it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, she did. But it wasn't, yeah, it was a, it was a, a fake out, and then she really did have a miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk about Bev the Zealot using scripture to explain away and manipulate? Um, she oh, yeah. is a great villain in this. She's one of those people that can pull a Bible verse out of her goddamn ass. I know, like, it, yeah, and well, someone's, I read that, and then I was like, oh, okay, but then it got to be really hilarious when, like, she literally sees someone get murdered and, like, have a quote about drinking blood or something, and you're like, whoa, yeah. where'd you get that? But also, the Bible has so much crazy stuff in it that it's like, I was watching another There is movie. a quote for everything, I think. Yeah, but it's also, like, just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean it's endorsed. Like, in the Bible, if there's a story about an, a person doing an evil thing, like, 
saying it doesn't mean that God's like, do it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's their story. It's also like you can easily manipulate scripture. Like you can easily yeah. manipulate it and work it to fit your, the narrative you want it to fit. Yeah. Um, there's a part in, that was in this other horror movie, a quote from, oh, shoot, I forget what it was, but it was from the Old Testament about like, like something about like they, like the, like they will be, those who, Hold on. It was something about bashing babies' brains in and, like, them being blessed or something. It's a lot of bees. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the Bible's got a lot of wacky stuff. Yeah. Um, especially that Old Testament. So, like, you can't just go picking picking random quotes and saying them. I mean, those are her tools. Like, that's yeah. you know, how she gets stuff done. And her goal really seems to be to usher in the book of Revelations. Her quotes really focus a lot on, like, the apocalypse and revelations and things like that more as as it goes on. So, um, but yeah, she's really a, a great character. Yeah, she's fun. Uh, yeah, she's a great villain. Yeah, she was fun to watch. Uh, so then the murder of Joe Colley, we already discussed Bev's two groupie helpers yeah. um, getting on board way too fast. And then Pruitt's reaction to Kali's death and then his justification to Riley really shows how deep in the shit he really is. Well, because it's like, yeah, it's like his choices are what? Like, be, be young again or just be like, oh, I'm actually should just kill myself. And no one wants to admit that it's time to die, you know? No, but he truly believes. Yeah. At yeah, this yeah. point. Like, he's, he's like, believes that this is, like, a miracle and, like, he was chosen. If the choice is between that and death, it's like, yeah, I can see how you would be wanting to pick one of those that, you know... Yeah, you you a brain is a power. You can really convince yourself of any, and if it's the you people are self preserving. That's in our nature. So it's like, yeah, you want to live, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's part of it too. It's like Pruitt is just human. Yeah, and like you said, and they talk about this a little bit more later. But like everyone wants to be special. You're not special. <laughs> and, and he talks about later, kind of like death isn't a thing anymore. So there's a lot that goes into that about his past views on death and now his views on death and. Then and like, are you chosen? And then I want to go into this later. Just like what really he thinks he's doing here. Yeah. So, um, uh, oh yeah. And then Joe Colley's death, when he justifies it to Riley, it's just him saying Joe Colley is just, what was it? Uh, it's like a sacrament, like a sacrifice. Yeah, he was saying, yeah, it was like a sacrifice. And his combo with Riley before he was encouraging Riley to kind of help Joe Colley uh -huh. and... Then he just completely is now saying, like, Joe Colley was a lost cause. Yeah. Yeah, and it really cements how messed up the situation is um, and how far he's really strayed. He has been tempted and gone down this dark path. And yeah, and Joe Colley, I feel like, had that really great moment and conversation with Riley. Like, him talking about, like, I, I feel like I really could be, like, different and really changed. You really kind of feel for the guy. And that actor has a lot of emotion in his performance. So you yeah. really do, you really do like him. I mean, when he's crying over his dead dog, yeah. it's just, it's just oh, yeah. very traumatic. And Lisa seems like kind of a bitch, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I'll yeah. say it. I'll say it. Yeah. She's like high and mighty. She goes to mass every day. It's like, get over yourself. What else? Sorry. But what else are you going to do in that town? I don't know. It's weird. First of all, okay, this young teen girl has been going to mass alone with this like 80 year old priest every day. I don't like the looks of that. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, also there's like so this is a very catholic community 
But they're talking about, like, the start of Lent and stuff and everyone going to church now. And yeah. people always just show up for, like, obviously Christmas and Easter and then there's an upswing at the beginning of Lent. And it's like, all these people are Catholic and this is an island where nothing is going on. I would just think that more people would go to church every Sunday. Right. <laughs> like, there's nothing to do. Oh, uh, the moment with, and we'll talk about this more later, but uh, I really like, so Sheriff Hassan and his son, Ali, they moved to the island from New York or something, and he explains kind of why later, but they're very much like outsiders. They're Muslim, so Mm -hmm. they're in this Catholic community, and then they're just like straight up outsiders. I really liked his character, and at one point, after all this stuff has been going on and there's this religious revival, his son starts getting interested in the Bible and going to church, and he finds, like, a Bible in his backpack, and so there's, like, a PTA meeting, and Hassan is basically saying, this is a public school, you can't be handing out Bibles. So at the PTA meeting, Hassan does this really great kind of, like, download about Islam and the Quran and Islam's relationship with Christianity, Jesus and the Bible. In Islam, they view Jesus as an actual prophet. Uh, They just don't think Jesus is divine. So um, I thought that that was interesting and showing we all have different faiths, but they're all kind of the same in a way, you know. Um, The one thing I didn't mention is that I was really curious about how Catholic media received the show. I saw positive and negative reactions to it. One article was saying that at first it seemed like they were showing Christianity in like a good light, but then it was, uh, what was it? Emphasizes the necessity for uh, his followers, so Pruitt's followers, to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Since this teaching serves as part of the foundation for the greatest sacraments, its sacrilegious misuse will disturb even thick skin adult viewers, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But then I found a review from the Jesuit uh, magazine, I think it's called uh, America Magazine. And they really liked it. And they said, in lesser works of Catholic horror, the religion is mere ornamentation or artifice. Priests are pantomiming caricatures, either rendered by writers for whom Catholicism is foreign or perverted into exaggerations for secular audiences by filmmakers who know better. Some might fall for the tricks, but Catholic viewers feel slighted deep in their bones. Great religious horror dredges up our doubts, our dark nights of the soul. Done poorly, it feels sour. Done well, it might be revelatory. And that's really how I felt about the show. I thought that that was a really great look at the show. And he was referencing different Catholic horror and his whole description of filmmakers making priests and mass and stuff, just this like caricature kind of thing. It just never, it just, it was always like whatever to me. Like I didn't really care, but it seemed fake. Like this all seemed really real. I was like watching the first episode and I was just like, oh my God, I didn't realize I had to go to mass. Like I felt like I was in mass, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean... Um, Father Paul gives a great first sermon, and you can see why people want to listen to him. Yeah, but just like the little details, they really do a yeah. good job with it. He talks about that it was very po- a very positive look at faith and exploring faith and like how you do that. And we'll I'll, I'll reference it in the next um, episode when we get more into the broader themes. Yeah. Well, real quick, I think that for me, the um, catch twenty two of of like having faith of religion is that 
you need to give yourself over to something that you can't see or... But also, this show is saying, but you also can't... You have to think critically because there are people who will pervert things for their own design. So you have to have faith and trust, but you also have to think critically so that you don't follow evil people. And those two things are, like, always in opposition with each other. Because, like, how can you, like, you can't you know, follow blindly. Right. But but part of but part of giving yourself over is following. You know what I mean? Like, I know with the uh, Jesuit order, they're very focused on, like, education. And yeah. they remind me a lot more of, like, Judaism, where you're, you are supposed to question everything. You know, you're really supposed to explore and question everything and study it and not just take it blindly. Yeah, but not, not every – I think that's a great way to view religion, but, like, not every denomination – feels that way oh no so, totally totally so uh it's, so it's like yeah yeah and he talks more in the article just about how it was a really positive way of like looking at a lot of that stuff and looking at faith and and everything like that and and yeah. h- him talking about how it like dredges up these scary things because yeah. it it really does it makes you think and uh if you're a person of faith i feel like there's a lot of stuff that's really scary in there but then, like you're saying, the kind of because the vampire's tangible and these miracles are tangible, it's kind of like the easy way out. And Aaron, being a woman of faith, she is able to look at this and not just go like wholehearted into it, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you could be like the most well intentioned person. I don't think through it didn't have bad intentions, but at first, and um, but yeah, he he was tricked and tempted and led astray. But I will posit this. She, so, um, Pruitt and Lisa have both had extremely positive things from this vampire interaction, but Aaron had her baby taken away. So, like, if she'd had something positive come up, maybe it would be different. She's literally just had things stolen from her by this. Well, yeah, and that's, that's a really good point. So, she's gonna be pissed, but there's another character, um, Mildred, uh, Sarah's mom. She's had positive results, but she isn't yeah. down with all of this. Which, like, I think she is the most um, admirable of all, because if I was in her shoes, I don't know if I'd feel the same way. <laughs> and you're going to feel even more strongly about that at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Tangier, I, this is what we've all been waiting for. The moment yeah. has arrived. <laughs> okay, so when I saw this trailer, I thought, this reminds me of Tangier. So... So Tangier is – so I was reading – there's a couple different places they talk about, like, um, the inspiration uh, behind Crockett Island. But one thing to mention is – so the name Crockett Island, a lot of people on the island of Tangier have the last name Crockett. And that's, like, uh, one of the tells because everyone's, like, related to each other. Okay, but here's a quick quote from Mike Flanagan. So he has had this idea for Midnight Mass for a long time. He pitched it to – like a dozen different networks and studios in 2014. And he talked about how he had a printed map of Tangier, um, which was the primary inspiration and like everything like planned out. But it took, he said everyone passed on this project. So it took a long time for this to get made. Um, and Tangier is, so we are on the East Coast, uh, me and Kat, and Tangier is a small island off the coast of Virginia um, in the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, it's, I think, about 16 miles from the nearest landmass, so it's, like, right out in the middle of the bay. Um, the population is around 400 permanent residents, 
and I recently got interested in it and was, like, looking to, like, visit it. And there, there's only two – there's one – I think there's only actually one ferry – there's one ferry to it and one ferry from it per day. Yeah. So, like – yeah, so you'd have to, like... It's pretty isolated. They kind of show it in the show. You'd literally have to, like, be... You'd have to leave in the morning and come back in the evening, like, be there all day. Um, and fun fact, the place that the ferry leaves from, like, if you want to go there, it's called... The town's called Onacock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Possibly Onacock, but I don't know. We're going to um, anyway, call it Onacock, because that's... Pretty. Yeah. So it's actually, like, not too far from where me and Kat are, so I definitely want to take a trip out there. I've, like, looked into, like – and there's, like, a beautiful beach there. Um, but, yeah, so since 1850, the island's landmass has been reduced by 67%, so it's eroding quickly, and it's probably going to – they estimate that um, the people will have to move in the next 50 or so years because of the rising sea level. Um, a lot of it's sinking – and I also watched a video about the history of it, um, and they, the people on the island speak a, a pr- particular dialect, which sounds kind oh. of, like, British or, like, I forget exactly what it sounds like, but you can, like, find videos of it. It's very distinctive. We talked and about this with uh, Roanoke. You you actually mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. So the the reason why it's so, they still have this dialect is because they're so isolated. So, like, the ferry ride takes – like, I think at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half, which is an insanely long time if you're, like, if there's, like, an emergency or something. Like, there's literally no doctor on the island. There's, like, an RN or something. Like, it's crazy. Like, people need to be, like, airlifted out if they have, like, a medical emergency. So, it's wild. And the I think the island's only, like, 1.2 square miles. I was thinking about that with Sarah because she was talking about how she wants to eventually leave the island. I was like, what's well, going to happen with all these other people? I think she only came back to, to look after her mom, Yeah, so right? she wasn't there. Yeah. So it's like, that's yeah. kind of important that she's there. Um, yeah, so, okay. So, so there's a particular dialect. Um, the people settled in the 1770s. They were farmers. And then it said they began to move into harvesting crabs and oysters um, the island has been referred to as one of the last waterman communities. So, for generations, the world has known Tangier for... And, oh, these quotes are also from Wikipedia. I did not write this. <laughs> so, um, has known the island for two things. I think I got this from an article. Um, uh, a bright red crab and a large black cross. So, Methodism has been and remains a very strong influence in Tangier. Um, it says stemming from a preacher in a revival camp meetings held there in the 1800s um, by Joshua Thomas, the famed parson of the islands. And I couldn't find that much information for someone who's famed, but okay. Um, and it says they have really strong ties to the Northern Methodist Church. It said, in tr- fun fact, they did not support slavery and did not join Virginia in seceding from the Union. Oh. But now Tangier is very... Um, conservative and like they support Trump and I'll send you a video of there's like a cute video of like the cats on Tangier but they're named like Ann Coulter and like Condoleezza Rice the oh cats are well, and it's, I'm like uh, I feel like you can totally generalize with they're all support Trump because there's like how many people on the island <laughs> it's like a exactly. hundred plus yeah but so on Tangier religious values are very important and I think there are still laws on the books 
so they were called blue laws saying that on Sunday you either have to be in your house or in church and like they're not enforced anymore but like they used to be and it's a dry town like you can't buy alcohol there um so it's super religious um and another oh so I was doing more research because I was like let me google cats in Tangier so fun fact cats do in fact outnumber the residents of Tangier because it's a fishing town and cats love fish <laughs> and the the part of the island there is a part of the island called Wait, the how did the cats get to I mean, I think that they probably just thrived because of the like them throwing fish scraps. There's like a couple of cats and then they yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. But there is a part called the Uppards and it is like sinking faster than the rest of the island just okay. like in the show. So that's yeah. like they just took the same name and there are a bunch of cats and you better believe I'm going to like try to volunteer with the cat rescue on Tangier. That's how I'll get in. So it's they're also super like since they're so isolated, they're really suspicious of outsiders. Like I read a couple like articles um that it's like hard to like get embedded in the community but i'm like oh i'll do it can i become a journalist and just move to tangier yeah you can go i have all these i have all these ideas for articles but i'm like do i just like write a like a perspective or whatever and have someone pay me to like write an article what would your article be about just tangiers just i would probably do the cats that'd be my way in oh people would love that yeah so um, let's see, do I have anything else? Any other parallels? Oh, um, the part about the graves, like, washing up in storms is a real thing, and I have a picture of, like, gravestones on the beach of Tangier. Mic drop. <laughs> Tangier is Crockett. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a lot of that sounded really, like... Yeah. There's also, um, another, so that, Tangier's in Virginia, but there's another small island. So there's a couple, I think there was originally five islands, like, I think three of them are abandoned because they've been, like, taken over by the water, but there's Smith Island, which is in Maryland, and it's, like, similar, um, like, similar, I don't think they have a beach, but, like, it's, like, you know, similar lifestyle, and it's very isolated. But you, can, you can't you can get to Tangier. Like, you can't go from Smith to Tangier on a ferry. I think you have to go from, like, separate ports. So it's, like, they're, it's very hard to get around. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I told Argus he's going to buy a place on Tangier, and I'm going to buy a place on Smith Island in Maryland, and we'll have our, like, opposing islands. Is there a rivalry? Well, I don't know, but there's a rivalry. There Maryland should be a rivalry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's... Like that's well, a great yeah. that's a great rivalry. Yeah. I know. And Smith Island has its own cake called the Smith Island cake. Are they religious? Do you know? Um, probably. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. I just love learning about all these little places like that are right around the corner from where we live that like I never knew about. Like that's what Yeah. I, 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 I had no I, idea it was yeah. Chesapeake Bay. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I was learning about you know, we grew up like so close to the bay and like I was learning about Tangier and I'm like, how does this exist? Like and if you look at like the like I sometimes just look at maps, like the maps of like all the coast of Virginia and Maryland that's, like, on the bay or the ocean, there's, like, so many little, like, inlets and islands, yeah. and, like, it's just fascinating. Like, Virginia has all of these little fingers that kind of poke out. Yeah. I remember doing, uh, yeah, a lot more traveling around there when I was younger. I don't know. I find the East Coast very interesting, and especially kind of, like, that area. And there's just a lot of history. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. 
Yeah, so my notes were a little bit confused because I thought we were going to do the whole show today. No, uh, I think it was good. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I feel like I missed a couple points. There's uh, one question I can ask. I don't know. I'll ask it now. How did you feel when you saw these actors that were obviously in old age makeup? Were you like, I, obviously they are going to de-age? Because that was my well, reaction. Well, so I had a unique um, experience because my parents have one of those HGTVs where everything looks crazy like it's a telenovela. So I thought it was their TV originally. Because like, oh, you really? know, Like, you know, have you seen those TVs where everything looks crazy? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, super real. So, yeah, I was like, guys, your TV is so whack. I it's can't even handle it. It's, like, the frame rate or whatever. Yeah, it's something about the frame rate. So, I'm like, everyone looks really fake. These cats look fake as hell. Like, it's your stupid TV. And then I was, like, I think I looked up or I forget. I was, like, Googling. I'm like, why does, like, the mom look so old? Or, yeah, I was like, man. These well, she was, like, really obviously old. in old age makeup. Like she yeah. Was, and and then, then even when we saw, like, clips of Pruitt. Because old age makeup is really hard to do well. Yeah. But even, like, Ed Flynn, Riley's dad. Yeah. I'm writing the actor's name right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, he, got, he looks old. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, is this... Because he just really wanted to work with this actor again? Because he yeah, wasn't, yeah, like, yeah. aged up to the point of, like, Mildred. Yeah. I think I kind of – I read some stuff about it um, that kind of, like, yeah, because people were, like, was it because of COVID or, like, whatever? Uh, people were, like, maybe it wasn't safe for old people, but no. Like, it made sense. And it didn't bother me. I mean, they had to do it because these people were going to yeah. de-age. I just got really worried that um whatever – what's his name? The guy from E.T. I was like, damn, like, yeah. he got really old real fast. Yeah, yeah, that's always a little bit awkward, and and the part the parts with um Mildred are honestly kind of hilarious. And when she comes out like every morning and she looks like young, it's like really funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just like, gets more and more like absurd when she's kind of just doing like the old woman walking is like a little bit off, you know, and her old yeah. woman voice is a little off. So because she's supposed to be very old. Yeah, I actually think it's fine. Like, it didn't bother me because, like, it's not – maybe it's because I'm watching it on a crazy TV or an iPad. Um, But, like, those moments of, like, kind of absurdity, almost, like, you kind of, like – because it's so heavy and, like, it kind of is good to have a little, like – I don't know, a little chuckle. You're like, look at that – look at that hot girl pretending to be 80. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. And I love the stuff with um the doctor and Aaron that comes later. I'm I'm like this is great. More of this. Yeah, when yeah. Like hanging out and that with the mom. <laughs> it's like I don't yeah. know. I just love. It. I love that. I also like um Midnight Mass because there's some hot guys for me to look at, and I like that. So thanks, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, thanks, Mike Flanagan. So yeah, we'll discuss more. There's a lot of themes and things that they they go into in these episodes, but I want to wait to the end because there's. You know, they delve into yeah. it a lot more. It's like we'll, True Blood, but without the sex. And yeah, we'll, so. we'll talk about it. It's very different from True Blood. But yeah, and then just a broader kind of ideas of like um, the depictions of certain things. I don't really want to go into what we've been watching, really. Yeah, because we've been watching Midnight Mass, and that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. There was something I wanted to say, but I forgot what it... I've been watching... Oh, I'm doing my 31 Days of Horror. That's why I... Oh, I started House of Wax. The last two episodes. Do you love it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was kind of playing a game on my phone, so I need. I feel like I need to rewind a little bit. Tell me if you feel the sexual tension between 
um, the people that are supposed to be. No, I, I felt it. I already felt it already. Thank you. Thank no, I, you. I thought about, Is it not crazy? <laughs> I thought about you. And then I. Um, it made I, me uncomfortable. <laughs> I loved how the museum is actually made out of wax. And I was like, I want to start sculpting things it's pretty, out of wax. It's pretty cool. Wax. Yeah. 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 I thought the wax thing was cool. And then. <laughs> I thought the wax thing in House of Wax was cool. I love the wax. It made me like want to play with. It made me want to play with wax. I want to play That's with wax. That's a weird interpretation. Yeah. Well, I didn't get into a lot of you just stuff. Like it made me want to become the crazy wax man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. So you've been but just watching different movies. It's a lot of pressure to watch a movie a day. Let me tell you what. Um, I watched like half an hour of one today. I'll probably try. To, I'll probably finish it tomorrow. But I've seen some good ones so far. Um, I really yeah. enjoyed *Malignant*, and I think I it's haven't le- watched it yet. It's leaving. It's like leaving tomorrow. A- yeah, you got to watch it. It's so good. I, yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. Today was the first day that really felt like fall to me. Like I was walking around and it really smelt like fall. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've just not been in the Halloween mode, mood because of that. So well, I just I like have with Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I just have been like, uh, eh, about like horror stuff. Like this was the only thing that I was like, oh, well, I really so watch. me and Argus watched Jaws the other day cuz I had only seen it like once and I think I love sharks, like love just love fear sharks. I like, want to become them. I fear them. I, it's like we have a weird relationship. I want to swim with them, but I'm also scared of them. But, like, I've only seen Jaws, like, once because it's, like, such a – it becomes such a dude movie when it's, like, the part where they're all three on the boat and it's just, like, these three guys, like, broing out. They're all getting really drunk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, like – Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in years, so. And I'm, like, this is incredible. And um, I was – oh, this is what I want to tell you. So, okay. It started because we saw – a poster for a Nicolas Cage movie about the USS Indianapolis. Now, for those who don't know, it is a ship that went down at the very end of World War II. Um, it was sunk by a kamikaze guy. And a lot of the people... So, like, it went in the water and a lot of people were eaten by sharks because it was in the Pacific Ocean. And there's all this crazy stuff. So this movie with Nicolas Cage is like a low-budget Titanic slash um jaws slash saving private ryan (laughs) like it's got everything um but we didn't we watched like a a little clip of it but then it got like it was the part of jaws where um quint the like old sea captain guys like talking about being on that ship the uss indianapolis and he talks about how there was like sharks eating everyone um so it it made me want to watch jaws and sidebar um Quint is kind of hot, so cannot remember what he looks like, but yeah, my okay. mom agrees. Um, for so there's something about that Scottish accent. I'm into <laughs> an old an old fisherman with a Scottish accent. I'm into it. Oh well, I mean that relates to this. It's like a fisherman town. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I started eyes were my black like a doll's eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun fact: when a when a great white attacks, its eyes roll back in its head, so it doesn't get blinded. I feel like I've seen that, yeah, but I did not know that that's why. Um, but, so I started my but 31 Days of- But couldn't you still blind it? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Um, I started my 31 Days of Horror in conclusion with uh, Jaws 2, which is a summer movie, so that's how I was able to transition to fall, if you will. Oh, okay. It, that's a really long-winded way of me saying 
yeah, that yeah. that's like kind of yeah. I started with like fun because like I, yeah, it's a horror, but I just love I love shark movies. I love sharks. Um, I just love that idea. I wish there were more better shark movies. You don't like Deep Blue Sea? I do love Deep Blue Sea, but I've seen it so many times. And the Meg, the Meg was god awful. I, yeah, I, I was, didn't. Get, I didn't get through it. I only watched like the first half. I watched it on a plane, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I it really scared me about how much we're making movies like for just China. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the main actress is just so bad. Yeah. Like and the, with the part with the kid, I'm like, is this for like four year olds? Yeah, who love violence? It was really, really, and I hate Jason Statham almost as much. Oh, as I, I, hate lo- Jeremy I love Jason Statham. I do not like him. I love him, all. and I think one of the reasons I love him so much is I I'm obsessed with that movie Spy, and mm. he's really great in that and very just very imagine. Funny. And I like if, a Cockney accent. A Cockney accent is just imagine fun it, to me. if instead of Jason Statham in the Meg, it had been Ike Barinholt. Now that Ike, would be a movie. Who's Ike Barinholt? The guy from like a Mindy Project, and I don't like that guy as much as you like that guy. Okay, well, just think of like a funny guy. He's not like. I'm bald and I dated Victoria. It's Super weird for model. him in to be in a shark movie. He's just not funny though, and I think he thinks he's funny. And other well, he's funny. Think he's he's funny, funny in Spy, but that's because of the writing and the directing. Yeah. And Paul Feig is a genius, even though he's not working anymore because everyone bullied him after Ghostbusters, and I'm pissed about it. So he got yeah, sad. The, the Meg was so bad. I like was I kept rooting for the shark and being like, "Why are you trying to kill this extinct creature?" Well, I think that's kind like, of part of live. Isn't let it a part live. of like a lot of shark movies? Is you kind of root for the shark? Um, yeah. Also, it's it is crazy in Jaws where he's like, "There's a shark that's somewhat near like the coast. Let's kill it." And I'm like, "Yeah, sharks live here." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You... Um, but yeah, in the Meg, I was like, "Just let her live, man." Well, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy not to let it live. It seems like right. a scientific just breakthrough. Stop, just get out of the water, everyone. Yeah. Leave the ocean alone. Also, the shark's so big that humans are, like, so small, it wouldn't even go after humans. It would go after, like, like whales and stuff. Anyway, sorry. This is, like, that movie was just so bad. Yeah. And I Um, I was so excited to watch it, and it was just, like, really just. I did not know you liked shark movies. I do. I really do. Okay. Well, um... Anyway, uh, thank you guys. I love a shark mummy movie. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so um, anything else? No. Okay, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can join us next time when we will be finishing our discussion on Midnight Mass. I hope you guys enjoyed this little detour. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts at In Ryan Murphy We Trust. You can check out our previous seasons on American Horror Story Apocalypse, Asylum, and Roanoke, and his Netflix shows Ratchet and Hollywood, and we have most of the episodes uh, where we were covering American Horror Stories. If you enjoy what we are doing, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can also contact us via email at downwardfacingdeath at gmail.com, and you can also find us uh, on Instagram at downwardfacingdeath. And anchor.fm slash downwardfacingdeath. Yes. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. Bye.